So I uh, sat this week just out here for most of the week because the furniture's not in the Onialaku room just yet. And um, it's just beautiful. I remember sitting with Judith, our architect, and um, saying to her, but we really don't have much space. And she kind of looked at me, and she didn't say it exactly like I'm saying it now, but it was almost like, watch me. And the space we have is incredible. But what I wasn't expecting at all was the utter beauty of it all. It is simply breathtakingly beautiful all the way through, mainly because of those original walls, some of which we haven't seen in about 50 years out in this back corridor. But what we have through here, Father Gary Toman, the chaplain from Queen's University, the Catholic chaplain, come down this week to see it. Everybody wants to see it. And as we sat there, he said, the stillness, the stillness is unbelievable and the beauty. So I've been enjoying being here most of the week when I'm around, delighting in it as we all are. And then these two readings from Mark and Amos came into play because I was reading them here in the context of now in Fitzroy. I was sitting in the Onialaki room at one point and I Facebooked, it is a blessed thing to be the minister of Fitzroy at a time such as this and then read those passages. And the fear for a pastor is that we have the buildings. That as all the other Presbyterian churches in this area are struggling to survive or find a minister, we are doing okay. There's still a lot of people at the coast, I can tell, but we're doing okay. We're growing. We're vibrant. And yet, Mark 10 and Amos 5 just calls us to a little bit of listening. There's a fear of the curse of complacency. The wrong focus on Fitzroy or you or me. The need for God's wisdom as we seek our vision and ambition for what we are for this such a time as this. And the fear that sometimes happens where we disconnect what is going on in a church community and what is happening outside of that church community. Nearby, yes. To the center of the city, yes. To beyond the city and indeed to the ends of the earth that will be always remembered with an Onialaku room and a school in some pretty much forgotten and ignored part of Uganda. So these two passages struck me. You will hear me in Fitzroy um, in my prayers and in other ways looking at two things that for me every Sunday is what this is about. It's about you as an individual and it's about we as a community. So every week 
my hope is that you as an individual and we as a community are asking the same questions. What is our vocation? What is our reason to be? What is God saying to me and us now? And those are two slightly different things. Because as the word of God, when we pray every Sunday morning before we start the service, um, as we pray for the service, as we pray with the band, we're seeking that all these ideas that we've come up with during the week, I watched the band coming up with the songs of worship on Facebook. um, And it was wonderful to see them piecing together that. And then what we do is we pray that God would somehow infuse those songs and the thoughts I have around these passages. And the two things I want them to do is speak to you as an individual but to speak to we as a community at the same time. Because you as an individual are going through different things than we are as a community, even though you're being part of that community affects what your individual life's like in the collective that we are. But we want the word of God. We want these buildings. We want our worship. We want what we do in Fitzroy to be that which will disciple you and me as individuals, that which will heal us, that which will inspire and challenge us as individuals, but also that God's word and worship would speak into who we are as Fitzroy. And I think these two passages do those things. Mark's gospel is looking at the personal. Here is somebody who's come to Jesus, and they want to know how they can have eternal life, how they can inherit eternal life, inherit eternal life, not gain eternal life, inherit eternal life. To inherit eternal life, someone has to die before you can inherit whatever it is they're leaving. So there's something in this, if we take it with the next couple of verses, where Jesus talks to his disciples about going to the cross, that Mark is using these words to talk about the inheritance that we have of eternal life, which doesn't come from what we earn, but comes because someone died, was raised to life, as we've just been singing in the last hymn. But they want to know that they're right with God. They want to know how to find God. Seek the Lord comes out four times in Amos 5. But here, this man, this individual wants somehow to connect with the eternal and God. Well, what about the commandments, Jesus says? Teacher, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. So he's complacent on his own piety, his own self-piety. And then those words in verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Unconditional. Jesus loved him even when he eventually rejected and walked away sad. Jesus loved him and said, One thing you still lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And we could go into that for a long time. But I started to think about me. Start to think about you. What is it that we're holding to as our piety? What are we holding to that holds us in with God and Jesus? What are the things we're doing that maybe makes us feel that, well, that's me all right. I'm on the right side of this. And then is there a moment, maybe even now, where Jesus looks at us and loves us and says, just one thing you still lack. Now, interestingly, as I weaved across a lot of commentaries in this, one of them said that 
This rich ruler comes to Jesus and falls on his knees and asks him. And every other situation in Mark's gospel where somebody falls on their knees before Jesus, they're looking for healing. And so that commentator suggested that this is a healing of soul that we're dealing with here. So if we want to look at it like that, <clears throat> where is that little bit of sickness or disease in the soul that each of us has as individuals? Where this morning Jesus might look at us and love us and say, but you just still lack one thing. And it might be the money. And we could look at the money and we'll come to that and see a seamless move between Mark 10 and Amos 5 because both are interested in the poor. And even here, he doesn't say give away all you have, that that's the deal. He says give away all you have to the poor, that's the deal. So it wasn't just that this man was withholding money. He was withholding money from those that God wanted to minister to, loving your neighbor, etc., etc. But that's not what I'm going to concentrate on today. I've said before in Fitzroy, I don't believe that Fitzroy as individuals live for money, although I do believe that money is one of the greatest hindrances we have to the fullness of life in Christ because money gives us the options to do things that take us away from what we could be doing for Christ if we didn't have the money. That can go into at some stage, but for a pastor to preach that in honesty might be difficult for us to listen to. I, I throw it out to you and ask the Spirit to take it whatever way. You still lack one thing, could be whatever it is you're holding on to. That might be a grievance, that might be sectarianism, that might be a relationship that you need to deal with, that might be a national relationship that we need to deal with. But as God looks down at us as individuals today and loves us, he's saying perhaps... Well, you're doing well. You've given an enormous amount to this building and you're seeing that building that you've given an enormous amount to and you're involved in, look at many, look at the things that you were doing in this place and you're giving, but there might be still just one thing that you lack. What it is for the rich young ruler, simple. He hasn't kept all the commandments. The first one has bypassed him. Yeah, we go over those commandments about not killing and not committing adultery and honoring your father and your mother, etc., etc., but... You shall have no other gods but me, no other gods before me. Well, I tell you what, if you sell all you have and give it to the poor, then you'll have no other gods before me. Or if you give up your grievance against Republicans, you'll have no other gods before me. Or if you stop holding on to that grievance you have in the family, you will have no other gods before me. Or that hobby or leisure or habit that you're not prepared to trust me with, give that up and you'll have no other gods before me. You want healing? You want eternal life? You want the fullness of the Spirit in your individual life? Let me look at you lovingly, Jesus says, and suggest to you that you still lack one thing. Let's not be complacent in our spirituality. If we look at Matthew 6, seek, ye, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Eugene Peterson paraphrases that. Steep your life in God reality. God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. You still lack one thing? Are there other gods before me? 
anybody that knelt before Jesus was looking for healing. The individual. But then the communal. The people in Amos chapter 5 were a people who were going to the place of worship regularly. They were people who were singing new songs. They were people who had a good band. They maybe even had a new harp in just for the day. They were people who seemed to be as desiring the place of worship, Bethel specifically for them, than there had been for generations. And yet God was not happy with this people. They were doing the right religious things. They were quite smug in their religiosity. They were looking after Bethel, their place of worship. But God was displeased with them. They were selling off needy people for goods. Human trafficking. Tonight right here. Next Sunday morning's One World Lunch. What Roberta has just been praying about. They were taking advantage of the helpless. They were oppressing the poor. The men were using women immorally. They had blended as Jeroboam the first had sort of cultic worship with the worship of God. And their religion was self-pleasing. They were doing it for their own self-righteousness, their own self-indulgence, rather than for God and for others. There was a disconnect between their worship and their mission. Between their self-piety and their loving of neighbor. As I read those verses that Jenna read this morning, and the ones around it, away with your songs and your assemblies. I couldn't help come up with this morning's title for the service. How awful would it be if we have these new halls, if we have a vibrant community, if we seem to be doing the right things, and God looks down and sees a disconnect between what we're doing here and what we should be doing for his kingdom. And says to us, Fitzroy, away with your fancy new halls. Let justice roll down. Let righteousness come. Love your neighbor. Don't disconnect with the society that you live in. At a recent presbytery meeting, <clears throat> Dave Thompson, not this one, Dave Thompson, who heads up community, I don't even know what the new titles are in Church House. They're so confusing, and some of them, forgive me, they're really bad titles. Um, <clears throat> I think it's life of um, church life and mission. And he was speaking at presbytery, and he, he was speaking about John chapter 14. It was very, very powerful. But he said two things I want to leave you with this morning. As we think about us as individuals, as we think about ourselves as a community, not being complacent, not being self-serving, not being self-pious, but thinking what it is that God wants for us to do to impact the city and the world that we live in. He said two things that were very helpful that I'd like to share, and this seems to be the sermon to share them. He said there's a difference between faithfulness and fruitfulness. He says that many churches are being faithful to some old Presbyterian way of doing things. They're being incredibly faithful. They've battened down the hatches and they are not going to allow this society to dilute the thing that they're holding on to in faithfulness. But he said sometimes we can be faithful. 
And God never calls us, certainly in John 14, to be faithful. He calls us to be fruitful. And that means getting outside the walls and engaging with those that perhaps even are trying to dilute what we're holding on to faithfully inside. And he said another thing, and he put it very well. Watch me as I do it. He said we have a long memory. Some of us a longer memory. And he said we have a short imagination or a small imagination seeking into the future. So we have a long memory of the past, but we have a small imagination looking into the future. And he challenged us as a presbytery, and I challenge us as a congregation this morning. He said, don't lean into the past. Lean into the imagination of the future. And can I call us to do that? What is it we still lack? Let's seek that, not just as individuals, but as a community. Let's not be so complacent that God will say, well, away with your holes, because actually it's not about buildings, it's about people, and it's not about the people that meet together, it's about the people that those who meet together should be reaching out to in love. Let us lean into an imagination, the kind of imagination that come up with the beauty of these holes as a symbol of the beauty of kingdom living that we need to do as a community in the center of Belfast in 2015, as all other Christian communities in this area seem to be closing down. Let's not lean into the past. Let's learn from it. Let's learn from John Edgar and James Woodburn and Ken Newell and Dr. Alexander. Let's celebrate the past, the 202 years that has got us here. But let's not lean into it so much that we're missing the imagination that we need to take what we've been given by God for this time into the future. Seek good, not evil. Let righteousness and justice flow down. Let's see as God looks into our hearts with love what we might still lack and never be complacent because I would hate to hear those words away with your new church halls. Let's pray. Lord, help us to see maybe for a day or two ourselves in this story of the rich young ruler. Who are we kneeling before God? What healing do we need? What might God ask us that we can respond to easily? And then how will we respond to those challenging words that we still lack one thing? Help us as a community not to be so involved in obedience to liturgical or religious things that we forget that spiritual wisdom, compassion, and passion for mission, good news, healing, restoring, bringing justice to those who don't have it, bringing peace in places that there is not peace, bringing salvation to those who walk in darkness. Lord, as individuals and as the community of Fitzroy, never ever allow us to be complacent or smug in who we are. Help us always to be leaning into a future imagination, to hear the call of the Spirit lead us to what you demand of us and what you long for us to be 
to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.